you ever ask Siri what the answer to life, the universe, and everything is? Actually, I have. Yeah. What'd she say to you? 42. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> True. One time I asked, hey, Cortana, and Siri got mad at me. Who's Cortana? Hey, Siri. Hey, Cortana. Very funny. I mean, not funny, haha, but funny. <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaning of life? All evidence to date suggests it's chocolate. And there, there you go. are. All right. Yeah. What is the meaning of life? That's easy. It's a philosophical question concerning the purpose and significance of life or existence in general. What is the meaning of life? To think about questions like this. What is the meaning of life? I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Leader FM, a weekly talk show for intelligent leaders and executive coaches reaching for the next level. Leader FM is hosted by executive coach Dr. Scott Francis and marketing media man Tony Creech. This episode of Leader FM is brought to you by Advanced Leadership Coaching and TheCreechLeague.com. This week on Leader FM, Dr. Scott and Tony talk about how leaders need to understand the bedrock principle of meme theory and what that means for your organization's culture. Hello world, you're listening to episode 11. Dr. Scott and I get together regularly to talk leadership and discuss important topics that we know will help you get to your next level. So let's dive in. It's so good to chat with you, Dr. Scott. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Tony. Good to see you again. Uh, What's been happening in your world, Dr. Scott? My world. Let's see. You know, the last uh, two or three days here, uh, I have been fighting a whole bunch of fires, real fires, uh, because it's uh, that time of year where the grass is all dead because it's first thing in the spring. Mm-hmm. And we have we had four fires in the last three days. Wow, I think it sounds like the earthquakes around the world. That's like crazy the apocalypse too. is coming here. Yeah. Earthquakes and fires. And in the words of Samuel L. Jackson, hold on to your butts. <laughs> Little Jurassic Park classic for you. (laughs) Okay, so one of the fires we had, Uh we had no idea how this thing started. Five acres of land burned. Uh, It was it was kind of in the middle of a field, and uh, we had quite a time fighting it. And no idea how. Where did this fire? No idea where it's until somebody noticed up on top of a power pole there was a dead squirrel hanging over the top of this power pole. Mm. Somehow it had it had twigged the power pole and the top of it lit on fire, and that's what started. So. That's so amazing. Watch out, yeah, watch out for those squirrels. They'll get you. I've always wondered, you see them up there and you're like, I wonder what, if that could ever happen. Well, yeah. You think that's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Me and Scott are not always in the same location because both of us travel quite a bit for work. And we happen to be doing the show t- together today. And before the show, we had some lunch and we saw smoke and we drove out to the fields to see yet another fire. Uh-huh. Yep. Our province right now is a tinderbox. I desperately wanted to get out there and start helping those guys fight that one. Like when we were at lunch, Scott said his spidey sense was going off and it proved absolutely true. <laughs> Believe in Scott's spidey sense. When there's a fire coming. Yeah. My leg's going, that wind's blowing and that <laughs> when storm's going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, really, I only have one thing to talk about, but I wanted to start by talking about a little funny meme I saw. Do you know what memes are, Scott? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you do. And there's this like, I don't go to memes.com that often, but because usually they're, they're everywhere. I see them on 
Usually I find memes on Reddit. And there's a meme that I saw lately that I hadn't seen before. And if you, if you haven't been on the internet yet, if you go on the internet, there's going to be like a picture <laughs> of something, internet. maybe a picture of a guy and he's smiling. And then there's like text written on top of that picture. That text usually signifies this is a meme that's been shared. And I saw one today with Tony the Tiger, and it's like a cartoon of Tony sitting with this boy and the girl, and they're both eating cereal. The kids are smiling. It looks like the classic Tony the Tiger, you know, box or commercial. And But he, there's like a sniff sniff right next to him, and his eyes look like he just got shocked. And underneath it, it says, after being tame for decades, Tony the Tiger suddenly realizes humans smell delicious. <laughs> Show them you're a tiger. <laughs> Show them what you can do. <laughs> They're great. My name's Tony and got lots of Tony the Tiger references and people give me Tony the Tiger stuff. I do not have Tony the Tiger stuff everywhere, although I probably could. Anyway, so that's a human smell delicious meme for us. And, uh, it made me think of Scott something you had mentioned to me before about meme theory. Yeah, yeah. This meme theory is um, it's a, a, a critical part of the third codex that I work with my clients on. Um, mm. And to be to be honest, what I think most people think a meme is, which is one of those you know cute little pictures mm-hmm. with a little pithy phrase, mm-hmm. that is a radically boiled down. Um, oversimplification. Meme theory is far deeper and far more important to get into. Oh, deeper. Deeper. Oh, shoot. I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, no, meme theory has been around for a while now. And it, the basic gist of it is that, that ideas are like genes and we catch them and pass them on in the same way that a virus gets passed on. Right? Mm, like a cold. Yeah. Just getting over cold uh, season around here. Uh, it was amazing how often we swapped colds in my family. And uh, it's the same thing with an idea or a behavior. Mm. Right? So, so, Instead of thinking, just, just erase the idea that a meme is just a cute little picture with a, a pithy phrase. Mm-hmm. What a meme is, is anything that can be mimicked. And then therefore it gets passed on. Like in the same way that a virus jumps in and replicates itself and then gets passed on to others. That's what can happen with anything that can be mimicked. So an example of of a meme could be uh, an attitude or it could be a basic behavior. Um, it could be resistance. Um, and it, it is oftentimes passed on in a way that people aren't aware of, you know, and it happens unconsciously. So is a meme like a discrete unit or like a thought is, are all thoughts memes? Pretty much, yes. Almost all thoughts are memes. Not not everything is a mimicry. Like, here's an example that is not a meme. Uh-huh. A, a personal emotion. You know, I'm angry right now. That That is not a meme because mm-hmm. I didn't catch it from anybody. But if someone else is offended and I take on their offense, uh-huh. in other words, if it was contagious and now I'm offended because they were offended, that was a meme mm. because I'm mimicking it. 
I'm picking it up. Now, uh, the one thing to look at, this is, this is a way of looking at life. It's a model for understanding the unconscious uh, way that society uh, passes on its way of being to the next uh, individuals. Okay. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, it's a critical way of looking at leadership and, and any kind of organizational culture. So does that make sense? I know I, I radically boiled it down there. Well, when you were talking about mimicry, I was thinking of simulation and the idea of the simulacra in John uh, Baudrillard and the idea of, you know, art becoming simulation and in uh, the idea of mimicry. Is there, is, does, does that connect with memes, the idea of simulation? Um, yeah. Because he wrote that book, The Procession of Simulacra, that kind of argues that everything becomes simulation. Hmm. And you see that maybe with online video games or that artist who did like, you know, and in, in, when I teach intro to fine arts that bring up that artist that uh, puts mirrors everywhere mm. and trying to reflect back to you that what you, that you bring all the stuff from yourself, you bring to art and then reinterpret that. And that there's this kind of a simulation that happens, this uh, mirroring and mimicry, but. It's, it's sort of connected, but I think um, it, it, it is a little bit more simplified mm. because it just looks basically at any kind of idea, thought, uh, behavior, anything like that as the same way that genes uh, are perpetuated in, in the theory of evolution. Mm. So the, the, the idea here is that any kind of thought or idea is selfish, in that it's just trying to replicate itself. It doesn't, it doesn't care about its host. Okay, so that's like meme theory as in cre the creation of a, replica a replicator. Yeah, yeah. Something that can be replicated can be a meme. So if it's a thought that can be replicated, it can be a meme. Yes. So, yeah. like, um, so based on the analogy of Darwinian evolution, it's something that can become like a unit, something that gets hosted, something that can be passed on. Yeah. And what the heck does that have to do with leadership? <laughs> Okay, I'll bite. The, the thing that, uh, why, why it's helpful is when you start to look at the social construct that you've got going on in your organization, why are we the way that we are? Mm -hmm. A lot of it, almost all of it, is a construct. And it is not something that we should be locked into because it is, because we believe it is our essence. It's just something that has it's just a, it's just a meme and it can change once you realize that that's all it is so in a way i hear you saying that it's not you're not talking about determinism hmm. so now we're getting into the weeds <laughs> that is, this is like what we do it's pretty weedy. uh <laughs> let me let me jump out of that okay and just uh let me separate this idea from memes in marketing from my side of the world where we have books like the idea virus and we're trying to make things become catchy books like the tipping point. And how do you make things sticky? There's like mm. a million books on this, trying to make something become a unit of culture that gets passed around. Right. And, but I, I, what I, I don't hear you talking about it in that way. I hear you saying more that everything is contagious and this is relevant to management yeah. and organizations because Everybody might get an email that says, we are doing great, but then 
But if people feel like, like we're the number one company in the world, but then if the managers act like they're number two or number a hundred or number zero, I don't, it's number zero up or down from that. Uh, <laughs> depends on how you're doing your numbers, but that that's, it's more that everybody's picking up the vibe. Is this like a vibe yes. you pick up? Yes. That's, that's a great way of, of looking at it. a vibe. Um, so uh, let me give you an example. Um, okay. You may have an organization where, um, the rhetoric is that we are on top. We're the best, right? Yeah. Then you go into the lunchroom and there's, there's just this undercurrent of suspicion, right? Mm. Or, or it could be a, um, a story that's being passed around, um, about what managers do here. It can also be something like, for example, uh, one-on-one, uh, meetings. Yeah. Meetings that you'd have with your directs, Mm -hmm. right? That, that is a behavior and it's something that once you've experienced a couple of times, then you realize you want to bring that to the people that you're, uh, supervising, Right. Mm. So it's a behavior that was a, a very helpful behavior that you caught and now you want to take it on. Right. So this is kind of like monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Yeah. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey think, monkey continue thinking. So is this right? more of a sophisticated way of putting the idea of people follow your actions, not your words into a leadership model? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but, but your words are also memes. Mm-hmm. I guess that what, what I'm getting at here is, you know, you know, in, in the matrix when uh-huh. Neo, when he got shot and then he came back to life mm-hmm. and then he saw the matrix instead of seeing the people mm-hmm. meme theory is a way of seeing the matrix behind everything that's going on socially within your organization. I think I need a tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> It's there. The memes are there. <laughs> so, uh, an example of a meme. You ever go into the the washroom in your hotel, and you know the toilet paper where the corners are folded, mm-hmm. and they're folded in a point. They didn't used to do that in hotels ten years ago, but now they do it in almost every hotel. And why? What What is the point of that? It's just something that caught on. And mm-hmm. shows that somebody was there and now it's a popular thing to do. And because they don't have the skills to make a swan. <laughs> swan out of yes, paper. I will take this swan <laughs> and use it. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, you know, just an idea that got passed on. Now, why this is important. Let me, let me get, get to the yeah. brass tacks here. Um, yeah. So often in the way that we do things in an organization... We make an assumption that this is our essence, that this is, this is part of the meat of who we are. Mm. And, and we, we think that this is our hardware mm-hmm. when all it is, is our software. It's, it's a upgradable? set of memes that we have caught or that we've allowed to, to come and inhabit our, our way of being. And uh, I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, I think it was our, actually our first podcast, that there's two ways of looking at how we do things. One is our essence, and one is more of an existential way of looking at it. One says, I am what I am because this is my DNA. And the other one says, I can choose to be whatever I want to be. Mm. Memes 
really play into especially that that existential side that says it's, it's not so much that you're choosing you have caught it unconsciously from thousands of sources around you and you are being the way you are you're doing what you do because you've seen thousands of people movies and you've experienced it and you just assume this is the way you're supposed to be and it's just a set of memes that are inhabiting your mind so to speak Mm. Okay. Now, some of the most powerful memes out there are ones that have a opposite. So, for example, the belief, uh, say, political conservatism, mm-hmm. right, is juxtaposed across from liberalism, mm-hmm. right, uh, or progressivism. And because these two are opposite of each other, we constantly fight about it. And as a result, it constantly keeps both of those memes front and center. Now, there are other ways of looking at politics, but they're not in contrast like that. And so they just kind of uh, fall off to the side. So the idea of being able to separate yourself from your thoughts. Mm. You're saying thinking of things as memes helps you do that because sometimes we become too attached to thoughts yeah we think it's just us so if we're really negative we might think i'm a negative person and being able to disassociate allows us the freedom to move on from that thought and grow so some of us like really seasoned managers sometimes have really entrenched views that hold them back that if they thought about the memes maybe they've been in a long time in a culture of um of being antagonistic and Mm. businesses today. And and if you want to do really well with your employees, you need to lose some of that. At least in the West, you need to lose some of that. You need to engender feelings of partnership rather than Mm -hmm. me versus you as manager employee. Mm -hmm. And so, and just when you, so you use it, do you, so when you, when you bring up meme theory with people, your coach, you're doing that partially to help them, Open, op, open up? Yeah. It's, well, it gets back at that idea of the examined life. Mm. You know, the unexamined life is not worth living. Um, I, I think what it really gets at is it, it undermines in, a, in an important way mm. the locked-in view that I am what I am. Because so often uh, we, we resist effective and, and positive change because we don't believe it's possible mm. or we, we think, um, well, there's the meme that we've arrived. This is as good as it gets. Or there's a meme that those other guys who are better than us uh, are, are dumb for being that way. Mm. And we like where we are. Um, I think another uh, the classic way, and I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts, um, uh, when, you, when you show up in a, uh, in a certain culture, say you're a new uh, employee mm-hmm. and you're all excited about it and then someone pulls you aside and says curb your enthusiasm you're making the rest of us look bad yeah right Th- so there's a meme there that is that says that mediocrity is to be uh, celebrated totally you know what i mean mm-hmm. which is a crazy when you when you all of a sudden say it out loud it sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. but but many of these memes that aren't actually said out loud are some of the most powerful ones out there. 
and they they embed themselves within a culture and they they are so easily caught with some of the most the smallest little um uh gestures mm. and they just permeate an organization so are you so this this is a model it doesn't really it's not about if it's physically genetically true it's a model to use to think about why you're to look at your own organizational culture or how you are as a manager think about while you're employed so if i'm using this i'm thinking i'm trying to get my people to be productive uh-huh. stay happy uh-huh. it's a model from which i can ask myself about the memes i'm generating in the office yeah well it's it's the way to see the matrix so mm. to speak of your organization mm. um and the culture it's a, it's actually a close cousin um, theory wise to, uh, communities of practice, okay. which I think we've talked about, but we'll talk about it more. Yeah. Um, Bring, connect those for me then. Well, theories of practice, uh, the idea is that, um, we work together in groups and behaviors, uh, are passed on mostly when the boss isn't there. Like when the boss walks out, then one of the employees, uh, leans over and says, well, let me tell you how things really are. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets passed on that way. I, I'm boiling it down. There's, there's whole journals that are made <laughs> on this and, and, and uh, it's well worth doing a deep read on that. But um, where you can use meme theory is, is to interpret what's going on and then to be extremely intentional yourself about what kind of memes you are giving off Mm-hmm. And also what kind of memes you are willing to take in. Right now, there may be someone who's listening who says, well, I'm just not going to let any memes come into me. That's right. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to get sick with memes. And that. Well, the reality is everything you use, including the alphabet, is a meme. Yeah. It is the building blocks for <clears throat> life, for social life. Right. So you, it's not a case that you can eliminate memes. You need them in order to survive. But uh-huh. there are quite a few memes that could care less about whether they're good for you or not. Yeah. They're selfish. They just want to be perpetuated. Like, like the smoking meme. Right? Mm. They just, smoking just wants to happen and it'll do everything it can to, to perpetuate itself even if it kills its host. And you're not arguing that smoking is alive and going after you. It, that's not important. What's important is that you're, you're able to think of smoking like that. Yeah. And that helps you consider it as something that you're doing because other people are doing it or because it's because of this meme that's around you helps you consider what you're passing on to others because people will parrot you. Yeah. Well, see the meme that smoking is cool. That's, that's one of those ones that I'm, I'm smoking right now <laughs> or just vaping or I'm not <laughs> well, that, like, like that, that, that idea that smoking is cool. Yeah. Obviously there was companies that wanted that out there because they were selling their wares. Yep. Right. But it was there. I remember in high school, uh, there was definitely that meme within a lot of my friends that they were being a rebel and that was cool. And, <clears throat> and so they, they smoked and of course it took a toll on their health. Mm. Right. Um, and if you realize that almost everything you think is a meme, yep. then you are less inclined to put up with unhealthy memes. 
Mm. So my, my dad visited this last week and my dad and my stepmom came okay. up uh, from the United States and cause we had a baby and they, they finally have been able to come up and visit and see the baby. And my three year olds is just, she's just a funny little parrot. <laughs> she will say things she hears her mom say, or if her mom says something to me, she immediately says that back to me again and joins in on the harping no matter what it is. And she had said something and I, and I just made a comment and I said, Oh, my little parrot. And my dad, Kind of says to me, well, everything we say has been said. Mm. And to that, I said something like, that's true. Or something that also is a parroted thing that has been said in our culture. I said some phrase that would be like a cliche. Right. Like, oh, I said, ain't that the truth? That's what I said. Ah. And this is exactly what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. That it it is a parroting. We parrot when we were three. We're learning how to live and be alive, but we do that in the office. Yeah, We parrot because we find out if we're that, we think of that guy being a dorky, way too excited to work at this place guy mm. because we're embedded in the system. I mean, I definitely know organizations, a few of them have just terribly, a few of them have just terribly sick and virus-filled cultures. And they try to change that by just coming out and speaking good speeches about being this and that. Or hanging out posters that are inspiring or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that does nothing compared to actions the administration does. Mm -hmm. Um, If you come in and you say things need to change and then you clean house, people pay attention. Mm. But if you come in and say, and we've got to change everything, we got to, chase this vision we got to act in a way that we haven't acted before but they don't see they see the same old grumpy managers being grumpy and they it's it's these aren't easy problems to solve this is one of the hardest this is the whole culture issue yeah yeah so now one other way of looking at this though Mm. is that um you can look at some of these management systems that are out there yeah and they are a whole constellation of memes Mm-hmm. You know, here's step one, step two, step three, do this and this and this and this. And they're, they're prescribed behaviors. And, um, and by reading that book, mm-hmm. you are exposing yourself to a whole set of new memes. Mm-hmm. And many of them are going to be really healthy for you to pick up. Right? So, like, not all memes are, are negative and not all are positive. Yeah. You know, but, but by exposing yourself to some of this really good stuff you may just possibly make some significant breakthroughs with your organization. But see, if the meme is that we are who we are and I'm not going to change yeah, or that we have arrived or that those other guys that do that stuff are really stupid for being that committed, you know, settle down kind of thing, mm-hmm. then you're never going to be exposed to some of those uh, those progressive take you somewhere kind of memes. Mm. So the recommendation here that I would be saying is get your, get, get as much of that kind of material in and around you and especially some management theory um, or sorry, management specifics, Mm. specific behaviors. Like you introduced in our, uh, I think it was our first or second episode, the get things done. Yeah. uh, Getting things done. the, The GTD. 
That is a great example of a meme mm-hmm. that has very specific behaviors that you can almost uh, plug and play into your mind like a piece of software. Yeah. And it takes your game up. And then as you're using it, it will become contagious to all those around you. Mm-hmm. Part of this sounds like an explanation for some of the things that we know to be true in leadership. Things things like monkey see, monkey do. Things like... Uh, I had a specific... You could say everything rises and falls on leadership or the trickle-down effect. Yeah. You know, uh, what's done at the top slowly trickles down and embeds into the entire organization. Or the idea that surround yourself with people you want to be like. Yeah. Because yeah. memes exist. And you think you're really tough, but we're really susceptible to memes. I think if I have a bad relationship with somebody or they, or I've had a relationship that was negative, maybe me and a buddy from middle school used to joke around in a specific way that I don't joke around anymore. And then I hang out with them again. Mm-hmm. And then we start joking around like that. That's because of memes yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you see, it's it's a way. In so same we're way really Neil, thin-skinned when we think about memes. Thinking think oh, of yeah. ourselves as being particularly thin-skinned. We're very very contagious. Yeah. So let me give you an example just from uh, current uh, life. What's going on right now? Uh, the the uh, primaries are going on in the United States. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty obvious out there, and and of course it's very interesting. If you're listening, maybe uh, six or seven years from now, you, you'll know where history went. But right now, um, Donald Trump is the front runner for the GOP. And, uh, and there's also, uh, between Hillary Clinton and uh, Sanders, mm-hmm. um, they're real close neck and neck. And the thing that's really interesting to notice is how culture has shifted in the last five or six years. Mm. Because some of the things... Um, I hope this doesn't tread on anybody's views, but it's interesting to notice some of the things that Donald Trump is running on, some of the promises that he is making, mm-hmm. um, like, for example, that he would use waterboarding mm-hmm. uh, as a way of getting information. If someone would have said that in the last primary four years ago, or the one before that, um, there would have been a major outcry, right? Yeah. Because that's that goes against the Geneva Convention. You know, he's 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 running on a platform that would be called a war crime, at least to our society eight years ago. Mm. But as you notice, I think in large degree because of some of the fear that's been around because of the the threat from ISIS, Mm. um, we as a culture seem to have nudged more towards a violent streak. It's a meme that has become stronger that eight years ago wouldn't have had the strength to stay in there. And I think the other thing interesting he's noted, you're noticing, he's saying one of his big things is to make America great again. Well, that's a meme. Mm-hmm. One of the big things there is that America isn't great. Mm-hmm. Ironically, right now, America has the strongest economy in the world. You know, but, but there's still this belief that it isn't great. Mm. And, uh, and so as a result, that has traction. Mm-hmm. where it wouldn't have before. It's a fascinating thing to watch. Um, cross your fingers that it isn't part of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do carry around a baseball bat now. Oh, that's good. But I'm not scared. You got barbed wire around the end of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> that helped me come across as a nice person in a meeting. There you are. <laughs> I'm just going to set this bat in the corner. Let's keep it in the corner. <laughs> now let's talk. Has it got a name? <laughs> <laughs> Some of this... Uh, Scott reminds me of, 
Have we talked about this on a podcast? The Erica Ariel Fox's book, Winning from Within, that talks that looks at people as a plurality. Mm, I don't think so. No. And so I t- I use this in a lot of I, since that book. I've it's about negotiating primarily, but I use this in a lot of parts of life as an interesting model just to see what it does because we feel one way about something then we feel guilty for feeling that way about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's, so that can be hard on your psyche, at least to me. So if you've ever felt like you did something, for instance, go back to an old way of being that you promised yourself you'd never be like again in marriage. This seems to happen to me a lot. I thought I was a impeccable human being. (laughs) <laughs> then I got married and was around somebody a lot and then had kids and it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> I thought I had grown and n- not in a, even in a judgmental, harsh way on myself. That's just things that have happened hmm. and being able to realize, well, who's the, if I'm the person doing the bad thing, who's the person thinking the bad things bad and who's the person, who's the person who feels guilty and who's, who's the person who is guilty and there seems to be almost multiple people there. And mm-hmm. even just allowing my brain to play with that idea to say, maybe there isn't just one me, not as in doctor, help me split me apart. You know, like there's three of me, <laughs> fix me. Not in that kind of sense, but in a way of letting ourselves be plural that where I sometimes move to this person who, where I know that I might, maybe it's that I get, you know, like there's like the bull that sees red and then instantly the bull is like, Oh no, I'm mad. And then the bull afterwards, it's like, wait, I don't know why I saw red and got mad like that. There's places where I need to, to, I could feel really discouraged after something that happens Hmm. and allowing myself to be plural, to be like, which one is the real me quote unquote, and it stop and make a choice and to say, so which manager is the real me, the manager who's always cynical, or is that just the manager who has has been listening to this garbage for years and able to say, I think the manager that is the real me is the one who's looking at that and saying that's cynical. That's not actually reality. I'm able to separ- separate myself from there and and grow or yeah. or yeah. take a bit more control of the ideas that I have in my own brain and that I spew out and not to take a it's happening to me perspective. Does that connect? Yeah, well I I mean it's interesting cuz you're you're describing an individual who if you're not being reflective, mm-hmm. you're just going through life and it's it's like you're riding a roller coaster. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You aren't like when you're riding a roller coaster, there's no steering wheel. Yeah. You know, you're just, you just go to the top and then off you go. And it's not until they put the brake on at the end that it's just a ride. You have no control of your mind and what's happening. That's one way to be going at it. The reflective life is that, that while you're on the ride, you are critiquing yourself and um and and thinking about your thinking we've talked about meta thinking yeah. right and i i call, I've, i call it observing ego but your term is meta thinking yeah but i think you actually you're, you're you're great when you when you bring in ego because of course freud when he talked about these forces um you know you've got you got the ego that wants to to get its way mm-hmm. then you've got this super ego that's kind of trying to control that and i don't want to get too much yeah. into the weeds but just as this if you have these two forces within you and they're if, if there's a strong sense of discomfort there, mm-hmm. that can cause a lot of psychological trouble. Yeah. So. It's kind of like that make peace with yourself. You, that You can't make peace with somebody else unless you're truly at peace with yourself. Mm. There's a little bit of that happening. And I'm not, some of this might sound very autonomous individual. 
and I and I think it I think of this more as analogy or like as because memes and this idea of us living in community and you know some of that great sociology and psychology around like is there even really an individual because of you know whether whether you describe it as memes or this social uh, construction yeah whether it's George Berkeley and the idea of social construction of reality is that yeah. Berkeley or is it somebody else <laughs> that idea of our thoughts not being our own is at least there's there's some part functionally that just to, as we are trying to lead organizations, lead ourselves, lead our families, lead our friends even, instead of acting like these are just triggers that we have to follow, mm-hmm. whether it's with needing to end a relationship or set a boundary or whatever you need to do, that able to th- able just to think and the help of using this model to think, because I'm a big fan of models, not because they're necessarily true, but because you're trying out, you know that your, your, your sight is skewed in, in life. Mm-hmm. And any lens you pick up that kind of you think you can perceive yourself as to get you through, even if it's community thinking or if it's some, even some of this individual thinking helps me sometimes. And it, whether it's to make a decision or just to stop and reflect, uh, I, it's about, it's about, taking those and getting traction with them. I just don't want to get us bogged down and arguing about the truth about memes and whether we're under control or we have control, how much right. control do yeah. we have, but we do have some decisions we're making as people. Well, I think the more, the more we examine and reflect on life while we're in the midst of it, the less we are in being controlled by the memes Except that we are creating a meme to stop and reflect and think That's about true. your life. That's and therefore, true. we're exerting control on people or they're part of a community. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's true. You're right. But there, and there is choice involved. I, the community that I live in today, you know, right, mm-hmm. a person that has studied dead languages and done all these things. I, if you would have asked me as a 10 year old, what do you do? I, I would never go down this crazy path. <laughs> You'd want to be a firefighter. Yeah, and uh, so do you still want to be one. Oh, uh, yeah. Lucky <laughs> I am. <laughs> there was a joke there I didn't catch. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Goodbye, joke. Creating a meme of jokes. No, you're right. Everything we do, even in our analysis of a meme, that itself is a meme. Again, this is, this is just a way of looking at life that, that lets you see the forces behind everything, like seeing the matrix. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't get out of it. The more so what you do is you just use it as a lens to ask yourself, what is the healthiest memes that I want active in my life? Mm-hmm. And which ones are just getting in the way and causing, causing our organization to, to be poisoned? Okay, so looking at memes, looking at, the way it actually meets uh, behaviors that we use as managers and as leaders, looking at how it affects big ideas like polarities, like liberals, conservatives. Right. Um, you're saying that number one behavior has a trickle down effect. Yes. That. Or a contagious effect. It can trickle up too. Uh, and it does it through words or actions. So if I'm saying to my daughter to be some way, but I'm acting differently. She notices employees notice too. Oh yeah. And bosses notice. And, and sometimes things like attitudes Mm -hmm. are 
it's not words that communicate it, it's body language or the most subtle sneer in your lips. Yeah. And all of a sudden that just, that just trickled through the whole organization. And my wife picks those up. She, yeah. (laughs) Typically women are more intuitive to that kind of stuff. Yeah. So behavior trickles down. Attitudes and philosophy can be mimicked. Is some of this that effect of act it, fake it till you make it? So do the behaviors until, like, catch the memes and use them until you become that? Does that relate? It does, actually, quite a bit. Because so from when, the up... When you're faking it, um, you, you make a container up, upon which it's almost like opening up some bandwidth. Okay. And then while that's open, then you can kind of fill it with the memes that are critical for you to be able to be that way all the time. So in sales, this is kind of like getting out of your head where I could sit in a car thinking I got to go make this sale. But the second I just stand up and start walking, everything starts working and I'm not thinking in my head and worried about the sale. I'm just going and talking, yeah, and doing the sale. Yeah. Or it's like, uh, it's like if you have a hard time planning and you sit down to plan <laughs> you say, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sitting down to planning right now. I'm planning. And, and within five minutes, you are planning. Like you've, meaning mm-hmm. the same way that to start something, you're creating a box for yourself to work in. Like uh, when you said bandwidth, it made me think of the, uh, the idea of the, five, the first five minutes being the hardest five minutes of anything. And if you can sit down and write for five minutes, you've done the hard work. Because mm. it's like, oh, I got I to gotta write for three hours or I got to work on this. But the first five minutes are the hard part. And if you can just get through those, even if you're faking it or even if you're just miming now i look at my to-do list and i start prioritizing what needs to be done today that's most important that makes money and then instead of just reading through email or something else that's easier to do if you can get through that then it can become something but but this is more on a massive scale where a lot of people doing those things as a community generates a community attitude of this is what we do if everybody on friday afternoon stops working at 12 and there's and everybody's just lying around going, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. That becomes a meme that becomes part of the organization. In so many places, I go there on a Friday afternoon, no, nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what you were describing there about that the first five minutes and and whatnot. That mm-hmm. gets into some performance psychology, which we'll get into when we get into the fourth codex. Mm-hmm. Um, the meme that comes to play on that. Uh, so the feeling that I, the, the resistance, the, I don't want to do this kind of feeling that arises up. That's not a meme. That's just your own emotions. You didn't yeah. catch that. That just, that but was the there act, when you woke but up. But the sitting down to do it. Yeah. The, the, the how I to hear get that over you're it. supposed to be doing it. Yeah. The how to get over it. <laughs> the idea that you discovered, which is sit yeah. down and press through the first five minutes. That's a meme uh, that you caught from someone who probably caught it from some other thief. Out there. Mark Twain. <laughs> Wrote, if the first thing you do every morning is eat a frog, it'll be the worst thing you do all day. Or the worst thing that happens to you all day. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down and get the hard stuff done. You gotta get a picture of you on our website eating a frog. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I would do that. So, does that make sense? I I hope that uh, wasn't too convoluted. If you're interested, I'd head out there and, and, and hit the internet... Uh, read some Wikipedia articles and whatnot about meme theory. And don't just assume that it is just a nice picture with a pithy little phrase. So the more often that we encounter any meme or any idea, 
the more likely we are to catch it, even if it's even if it's like off the wall, off the wall. Yeah. Well, and I think you see we that think, we hear something, we think waterboarding, that sounds crazy. But then go to a couple of sites, <laughs> a couple of videos, start to feel frustrated that not, not enough is being done. Yeah. And we start to feel like an older brother, his little brother is annoying him. And if he just punches his little brother, his little brother will stop. Yeah, no, you're right. That the, doesn't the more you hear, work. Like, you, as, the as first a time older brother, it doesn't work. The first time you hear something, you may think this is ludicrous. The second time you continue to, but the twentieth or thirtieth time that you hear something, it starts to embed itself in the same way that if you're in a place where there is a ton of flu viruses going around, there's a good chance you're going to catch it. I want to talk more about why this works, but that I feel like some of that's unhelpful because I, I want to urge. I don't want people to argue about this in terms of do you, how do how do communities really relate to each other but we know if you think of it as a model i think it's pretty self-evident mm-hmm. that we move with that we grow these communities there's a book called common objects of love that argues that community isn't formed around purpose but around common objects of love so if you you can say my whole business is about this purpose uh, I think it's Oliver O'Donovan who wrote this British guy or a UK guy that's smart. But you can say, oh, we're, we get around this purpose. This is how we create a community. When really people gather on things that common objects of love. Mm. And I think you see that in politics and fears and both in fears and things you want to protect. Yeah. But you see that in organizations where those, those deep things we desire, they form. And if it's sometimes it's, it can be mediocrity, which is weird. Yeah, but and that, it's that, true. Those create this culture of like stay under the radar, or this culture of fire. And you know, like you think of some of these companies that get rid of managers, like Zappos or whatever, and they they try to empower people, or like Toyota creating lean in their like their manufacturing, the mm-hmm. change they made to manufacturing, and the different attitude from being in a union community in the U S and Detroit, where you have this antagonistic relationship with people above you, where you're always fighting them for more money, therefore creating a relationship where they fight you for less money or you're part of an organization where you're maybe an owner and it's a, let's all, let's, let's all charge. And that feeling of charge is there daily. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. All that stuff. Like, like almost everything you describe about a social dynamic Mm-hmm. can be seen through the meme uh, model. What it does, again, I've said this already, but I'll say it again. What it does is when you look at it through this model, it no longer has the same kind of holding power, mm-hmm. uh, at least on yourself. When you realize that the, primarily most of what I think and believe and do mm-hmm. is a meme, and therefore I can choose to change my software. Okay, so if I'm looking at this as a manager, then hmm. one of the things I think of is systems. So, I can, I, what I can do with this is think about saying one thing and then a system runs the opposite way. So, if you look at HR, they might say people are important, but then you, you double down on policy so much to where you erase innovation and mm-hmm. people as yeah. people. So I can use, you can think about attitudes you want to spread and then evaluate your systems 
on that is can this meme spread in this? Oh yeah. Or are we trying to tell one story when the actions and the policy tells a completely different story? Oh, absolutely. That, that totally happens. Our rhetoric doesn't match our, our actions. You can also have competing memes in the same space. You know, so, so mm. I desperately want to be a great boss who is, you know, valued and appreciated by everybody. And at the exact same time, my behaviors are demeaning and depreciative and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, you know, and yet they are coexisting within my mind and it can lead to elements of delusion. Mm-hmm. And to the meme, it doesn't matter. All the meme wants to do is perpetuate itself mm-hmm. and get carried on to the next person. So we'll continue with our empty rhetoric that we are great leaders and, and whatnot without any clue that our shadow is, is the biggest thing that's being perpetuated. Mm. So as we try to find a way to wrap this up, I, this makes me think of the office <laughs> mostly because I'm watching, re, rewatching watching the all? office and it's <laughs> incredible. It makes me want to act like Michael 24 seven. And it's really hard <laughs> if you're with a client and all you're thinking of is what Michael would do because my sense of humor is bigger than my sense of reality. <laughs> but this office it does an excellent job at not making Jim to be this amazing hero. He's, he's an everyday guy, but he also makes everyday guy mistakes. So whenever he gets chances to manage or to be in charge, he makes big mistakes. Hmm. Whether it's getting rid of birthday parties. And he, and he thinks that Michael's so illogical if he gets really logical at stuff that it's going to make him better. And it's hmm. not because he, you know, removes some of the human element in it. And where Michael succeeds, it's because of the human stuff. Uh, but, it, but one, I think a meme that it generates, because there's, there's this one, a couple of scenes where when they become co-managers, uh, where Jim ends up doing something that Michael would, he would he used to think Michael was crazy for doing. And there's a kind of a moment of like, you're becoming Michael. <laughs> and there's a, there's, it's like being a parent and being, ah, kids are oh, crazy. Yeah, and they, and like Bill Cosby used to have that whole thing on like how his parents were crazy. Uh-huh. They didn't make any sense. They, ah, they just spat and they were crazy. And then he had kids and the kids and he said, kids make you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> My parents used to be normal people. They used to be happy. We made them crazy. And there's a thing about management that's similar that, that I think the office was giving off that vibe of, managing people makes you crazy. So Jim was made to be like Michael, the person he would never be like in a million years because of this management thing. Mm. And I, and I, I just, it stuck out to me um, because of this, this leadership thing. And there's, and if there's a if there's a truth in it, it's, you know, that we all make mistakes, of course. Yeah. And if you think of being a good manager is not making mistakes then you're completely wrong. Yeah. Being a good leader is a leader is somebody who doesn't make mistakes, never makes a wrong decision. George Washington always knows where to storm, but that's not true. Yeah. It's not true at all. And, and if, so, and so, but culturally, popularly, we have this attitude about work being monotonous. We even have these attitudes about deserving things that are just these big cultural memes around work that a lot of them I feel are unhealthy mm. and that you have to get over. And that people want to say when there's a new manager, I am buddy, you're going to, you'll see soon enough. Yeah. And yeah. soon enough, you'll be crazy too. 
or like to parents soon enough, you'll be crazy too. And it's not that charge of every parent should think, well, I'm going to do this better than anybody. So we can make fun of them for being like that. <laughs> but how, so how do I, how do you become a manager and not become Michael? Right. Or not feel like I, I'm destined to become Michael if I'm a manager. So let me just get out of management or mm. I'm destined to be that either because it's in leadership circles with even with fellow executives, some people feel like you have to either drink the juice of forward progression, yeah, conquer yeah. the world, or you have to drink the juice of oh, those guys are crazy. Yeah. It's a normal guy. I just catch my breaks as I get them, get my check, <laughs> go home. Yeah. What's what's is what is the healthy path here? Well, that, okay, that you, that you try to lead people, that you try to coach people through is what? Yeah. So, well, if you're if you're talking the healthy path with meme theory, yeah, um, is to be intentional about the memes that you are uh, allowing into your life, and the way to do that is to be very intentional about your role models. So if I'm Jim and I just acted like Michael, I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm becoming Michael. Is the, That's the essentialism way of viewing it. That's the, that's the way of saying, this is my, part of my core. I'm becoming Michael. Yeah. Instead of thinking, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've just acted like Michael. I did a Michael thing. Because I've been around Michael yeah. a lot. And ideas are contagious. And the more that you're around, the more likely you're able to replicate them because they're little replicators. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. You will pick up. Uh, this is this is why I, I I encourage people. If you're in a place that is like full of zombies, in other words, it's The Walking Dead, get out because pretty soon you're going to get bit. And I've, you're gonna, I've been there. You've been <laughs> Quit your job. That's what we're saying. That's right. Run, run as fast as you can. There's a great podcast called Quit, but Dan Benjamin did. And it's about like, that. Quit. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like crazy. Yeah, but um, it, like, and your your role models don't necessarily always have to be somebody else in leadership. It can be an author. It can be somebody that you watch on television where there's actually a, where they're not a Michael, but they're like a Michael. good leader. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Not a Michael. <laughs> no, but there, there may be some character. Like I, I really enjoyed um, Teddy Roosevelt's biography mm. and, and I picked up a lot of his style by just reading that. And, and I, I liked that. That's kind of like what I did with house of cards. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's, that's one way. Um, uh, and and uh, it's probably one of the most powerful ways is role modeling, mm. right? And then the thing you were talking about, the fake it till you make it, mm. that actually is, is a way of, like we said, making room in your bandwidth for new behaviors and new memes to come into play. So let me switch this a little bit. I, that's, that's awesome. I'm just, I'm just thinking I'm trying to get ways to sum this up because we, we've talked long enough. <laughs> but... But yet, I do want to. I, I want to grab onto this idea of uh, we've been we've been talking about it very negatively about memes a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I have maybe. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see mean it that, ne- way. that memes are negative, but looking at it from the way that it affects culture negatively. Oh yeah. Okay. But some so some of the stuff that I think uh, that I spend my time trying to do with people sometimes is you take the small business or even a big business with a really great leader. And you're trying to like a new CEO or something that's just dripping with awesomeness. Mm-hmm. And then the task is how do we get this guy into all of the other guys? Mm, so right. you, you take up a small business that's starting to do well. And you think when, when a small business does really well, it's usually because the owners put a lot of 
energy and heart into it. And then they hire a manager, but if they don't take the time to replicate that passion or to make sure the, the memes they were oozing out, the manager beneath them is also oozing out the mm-hmm. first time they franchise or they make a second location or whatever, it, whatever thing they do or they get when you move up levels of how many people are in your organization, obviously it's a lot harder the more people are there. The bigger Apple gets, the more, pre- the more pressure is there to break apart mm. this, the memes that have made it successful. And to be more siloed. Yeah, the yeah. more siloed it might be where it becomes yeah. you part of Tim Cook's gang or you part of this person's gang yeah. and, and everybody walks around wearing pink scarves and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I think about using Paul. So you can use policy and evaluate policy, evaluate HR practices, onboarding, whether mm-hmm. you are on what, what practices do you do? And are those things that are encouraging memes and replicating that passion or things working against it? But that takes on either side. It's work. As yeah, a manager, it might yeah. be deciding I'm not doing enough meetings with my people or I'm meeting with them only in my one-to-ones on Monday and Friday. And I need to just get out there on the water cooler and hear what's really going on. That practices behaviors like that practices like that. Yeah. It, um, there's, I mean, there's multiple ways to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the idea here is to just to, to use it as the model to see the matrix mm-hmm. of what's going on. Um, so when you when you coach people, do you get into the nitty gritty, or you just help them start connecting the dots themselves? Um. Well, I mean, when we're doing this, a lot of times it, it, the the primary purpose of talking about meme theory mm. is to get out of an essentialist way of looking at self. Mm. Um, if you're too much that way, um, if you're too locked into who you are. Um, because if you have started being a leader and you've failed at all, or even if you succeeded, but you've succeeded by doing a negative thing, like mm. being really harsh, therefore I always have to be harsh because that's the only way we win. It helps me break out of that. Yeah. Yeah. To say, no, no, I'm not becoming Michael. I was only mimicking that idea. The other thing that it does is it helps to understand that the person across from you is not a 100% essence. They like because we often because they're not they're not some perfect individual either that we're all yeah and their behavior and their attitude isn't locked in space forever. Mm. New software can come in and they will change, mm. and and we can we can bring that to our organization and mm-hmm. and just make it like it, you you change the the soup that everybody swims in, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually they start picking up these vibes. I think also one thing, if you've got a person in your work uh, and they are just constantly toxic. Yep. If you look, if you look at that environment through this lens, you may see that they are one of the most contagious negative influences in that organization. You may want to, you know, you may use this to finally pull the trigger and let that person go because you realize the return on investment of keeping them is nothing like the expense to our culture of keeping them around. Mm. Um, I know when it comes to building teams that the like the shortest path forward is by eliminating toxicity. Like as a coach, mm. coaching a team, attitude you can't is really hard to teach. Even though we're kind of talking yeah. about that, and it's, if some kid's the best player on the team but he has a terrible attitude, by removing him, skills you can teach kids with great attitude in a workplace. 
if everybody, if people have a decent attitude, you can teach them all sorts of things. You can teach them those things that other guy knew. Too much, too many times, I see organizations hold on to somebody because of expertise, mm-hmm. which doesn't help. While they're poisoning everything, and there's whole organizations that are just really are toxic, despite having an amazing product, despite offering amazing services, toxic, just nasty. Friend I was talking to had just left a really toxic place, and is doing something in a different environment. And out in Ontario, and they were like, oh my goodness, to be in a place where people are trying to work together is crazy. Huh. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. And huh. some of this, ha- this is exactly speaking to this, this using memes as a model, look at that whole, what you could only describe as atmosphere or tone of a place. Yeah. To break that down from tone, which sounds so, you know. It's hard to wrestle with. Mm. Yeah. But when you realize that that attitude is a meme, it was contagious, it was passed around, and now it's locked in. Like this, this theory, it's like to look at it in reality, part of me thinks this sounds really nuclear, like everything breaks down into discrete units, and I don't oh, yeah, think yeah. everything does. But I like it as a model. Because so, I really think, I really love models because models make masses of information intelligible when they, before they Mm. were just a long list of numbers, but you put it on a graph and then you see something. And so I think of it very much as a model rather than discrete, these discrete thoughts that are separate. And actually one thing you you brought up, Mm. um, thinking of it as nuclear, Mm -hmm. the one thing we've discovered when we've done research on this is that memes that are grouped together in a complex, Mm -hmm. they have more power. Bundle, like bundle theory. Yeah. They're bundled together. (laughs) You know, because to, you know, to, to, for example, to adopt a, a management practice like GTD, get things mm-hmm. done, there's a whole series of behaviors that you have to do in order to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I'm guessing maybe my 20 or 30 memes that comes with the GTD system. But because you adopt four or five and they work, the other 15 just come and embed themselves easily within you. But that also shows this it's almost like a backhanded way of bringing into introducing memes that are unhealthy they'll mm. often piggyback with healthy ones right it's, that makes sense yeah yeah what's an what's an example of a piggybacked one part of a uh, like one of the big movements like okay well here's here's, here's one about about i'll oh, go ahead if you have one well here's here's one i think that that you'll often get to be part of a certain religious group mm-hmm. also requires that you're part of a certain political group Oh, that's you know that that that's to not be happening this, lately no, at all. That doesn't happen at all. But to be part of this religion <laughs> means that you vote this certain way, or to be part of this one um, social group, or 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 mm-hmm. um, you know, if if you have a certain skin tone, mm-hmm. you vote a certain way. And that if you don't, you are like so, like you know, if you are becoming a member of a different group by yeah. voting a certain way, yeah. yeah, or by thinking a certain way, even you know, if you're part of a certain culture and you dress and act like somebody of the other culture, you'll usually be mocked no matter what your culture that you came from. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Like, like you realize to convert to a certain religion, um, you may buy into, uh, the core essence of that religion's tenet of faith. Mm -hmm. And so then therefore you convert, but with it, comes all these other things that we could mm-hmm. call baggage and shadows, you know, yeah. some of the toxic elements of that. And the, that just comes and there's in like a, a recursive nature to it where 
politicians expect certain groups and they cater to certain groups. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So if, you know, in, in, in big business, maybe there's part of this, that, that self-improvement theory gone to a part where you should always be improving in, in, in a way that you should always eliminate weaknesses. I think wasn't that, that I think felt like that was piggybacked onto the idea of growth that mm. you shouldn't have any weaknesses. Like the way to get ahead is to always identify weaknesses and to eliminate them, which means you could spend an astronomical amount of time trying to get rid of weakness that isn't going to give you actually get you any farther ahead when you could grow in something you're already good in and get way farther ahead because yeah. Yeah. Um, and is, is that still around in the business Actually, world? you know what? It, it's ironic you're mentioning that because the idea of leveraging strengths, having more power than dealing with weaknesses yeah. is a meme that has really taken hold in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's particularly around uh, the people that, that do um, uh, that survey group again. Nielsen? Uh, Niel- uh, Nelson? No, no. Yeah. Anyways, um, that, that idea of, of the strength finders, uh, um, philosophy, uh, working on your strengths will have more return on investment Mm -hmm. than working on your weaknesses. Someone just pointed out, uh, just very recently, we don't have much, um, data on that. How do you have data on any of that? How do you have data on either way? Oh, we can, we can do that. There's ways to do research on that. It's just nobody's done research on it. We just flatly accepted that that is true. It, it's an interesting thing to note. Is it, is it from analogy then? Maybe. For instance, I know, I know Cotter has some great data on spending energy in terms of trying to change an organization that, you know, like because you have that spectrum of people, if you pour all this energy on the really late adopters who aren't going to ever change and aren't going to pick up your product, you're wasting your time. So you're pouring out water on rocks, but if you work on people that are that are willing to change or that are more able to be changed, that there's way more work, and that we just took that and applied that to ourselves. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, there we go. But there's an assignment for us. <laughs> there's a research project to go ahead with. Yeah, is Tony spouting garbage? Just memes? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> So I think we've. Uh, I do know that there is the, that there used to be a, a, this paranoid sense of eliminating weaknesses. Yeah, I think. Uh, but I, it's important to eliminate weaknesses. We do that naturally by becoming friends with people that have strengths where we have weaknesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We do that in marriage. We do that in relationships. I we, we do that. So like some of my some of the things I practice the most in terms of practices in business, like GTD, or because of weaknesses I have. Mm. I don't think of myself as having eliminated them. I just. I have to be, I have to use, I have to use systems and practice a lot of management uh, behaviors because I don't do those things naturally. I don't need to practice visioning. I don't need visioning practices. (laughs) I need, because that just happens naturally. I need like getting things done kind of practices, reviewing, you know, and prioritizing practices. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we, we're leaving this on a good question or a bad question. I'd be interested to hear what people have to say. Let's, maybe we'll leave that out there for our audience. What do you think? Is it, uh, is it more beneficial to work on your strengths or to work on your weaknesses? Anyways, that's not as, as 
close to the idea of meme theory, but it's certainly something to be interested in. Yeah, that's a great question to end on because we're talking about a meme. We're yep. practicing what we're talking about in this episode, evaluating mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's another extension, which we briefly got into, the idea of how do we create memes on purpose through things we say, but also through behaviors we pick up and policy that we put we pass through. That that sometimes as a leader, you're, you're, you're wanting to be a certain thing by energy that you're not being by policy. Yeah. Polity. What do we what do we want to intentionally mimic? And th- and this thing goes right up, you know, right up and down the I guess right down the mountain. So if the leaders at the top are acting a certain way, no matter what they say, that's gonna that's gonna trickle down. Trickle down economics mm. or trickle down meme theory. Memetics. <laughs> Memetics. Yep. Yeah, it trickles down, but it trickles up too. It does. Yep. I wrote a book on it called Managing from Below. Or managing up. You wrote a book on that? No, I didn't. <laughs> but um, this model, this idea we've been talking about, this meme about meme theory and memetics, is this a, a practice that you use and that has many parts to it? Or how would you describe this? Where does this fit? You know what? This is more of a bedrock theory. Mm-hmm that you build uh, the rest of that codex on when it comes to uh, the social aspects of management. Hmm. Um, it, it is the lens that you look at your, your organization with. Okay, so this is just a piece of bedrock we're giving managers and yeah. leaders so that we can build more on top of that. And, and so just in the same way that we keep talking about how it's, we see it in everything, you just give people this understanding and then from there we can do a lot more. Yeah. Without it, though, uh, you're going to constantly bump into uh, this notion that I am what I am and I'll never change or we can't change or that person can't change um, or that the way that we think is the way that it is. It's, it's not. Great, great tool. Great lens. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this week. You can find Scott at advancedleadership.biz. You can find him on Twitter at Leader Advance. I am at The Creech on Twitter, and you can find me at thecreechleague.com or tonycreech.net. Please send in all your comments, questions, and stories to leader.fm. You'll see the contact form there, and you can pick up some free resources there. Very much worth your time. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes and just share that love around. Thanks again to our sponsors, The Creech League and Advanced Leadership Coaching. And thank you, Dr. Scott, for joining me. It was a ball. You betcha, Tony. It's been good spending time with you. And to the audience, I'd say, how are you going to take meme theory and use it to think about how you're going to participate in your organization this week? Show them you're a tiger. Show them what you can do. As Tony Creech is editing, bring out the tiger in you.